0: Good morning. It is time for Pomo Perspective with Michael Hunter. Welcome, Michael. Good morning. Wonderful to see you. Happy solstice.
1: Yes. I am so excited this morning. I uh, I was trying to think about how to share what I want to share. And I think you and I started our journey about over a year ago. That's would you right.
0: Think? Yeah. It was last about 14 months ago, I think.
1: 14 months. You know, when... When we first started that journey, I was so nervous. I still, I still am every morning, to be honest with you. Um, well, every time we go on radio, and I've been coming more and more confident. I didn't realize the boxes that you were opening for me. And this morning, I was trying to figure out why it was so hard for me to want to speak publicly, and I th- immediately went to high to school. When I was in sixth grade, I had the science teacher go through my midterm or final. I don't know which one it was and grabbed my test and stood in front of the whole class and went through each question that I got wrong. And I got them all wrong except two, possibly two, no clue why. Now, his perspective is, you didn't study. I know for a fact I studied because I wanted to say the humiliation that I know he would be the kind of guy that would do. When he did that, I remember just staring at him, sixth grade, and looking at him. And when I got one answer right, he laughed. Oh! You got that one right. At least you knew something. It got to the point where a student sitting at my table says, hey, that's enough. In sixth grade, it was a a young lady. And I got up and left. So that was the start of my public speaking, was public humiliation. Um, It may not have been so bad if I had a different upbringing, possibly. I don't know. I'm sure I wasn't the only person. But in my world, I was the only person. And then I fast forward to high school a little bit. And every time we were teaching history, they would show uh, Midwestern plains or a Native American that looked more like uh, one of the mascots, if you will than anyone that I looked like, that looked like me. And keep in mind, I've been dancing traditionally since I was a young, young boy, before I even wanted to dance traditionally, right? Excuse me. So, the teachers, out of trying to be kind and cool with me, because they liked me, would give me the opportunity to speak on something that I should know. And I'm looking at that TV monitor and saying, I don't know any more about that dude on that TV screen than I know about you guys. A matter of fact, I know more about you guys than I do that dude. But you can't say that, and you're kind of in in a no man's land where you're like, what is my answer? I should know this. He's looking at me as if I should know this. And I like the teacher, so I should know this. The students are looking at me, and I can't even come up with one memory to relate to that. And he says jokingly, <laughs> he says joking, geez, Hunter, if, uh, I thought you had at least known that one. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, me too. What the heck? Why did I not know this? Right. So in high school, I even thought, like, if you don't even know your own culture, keep in mind, it was, it was a Plains Indian. It wasn't, not, nobody looked like me on that photo. If you don't even know your own culture, what can you speak of? So therefore, the things I know culturally And the things the non-Indian knows culturally or in the class setting was totally different. And I found out in high school and I said to myself, dang, if I was to share my culture and tell you what I'm really about, you may. You're you're not going to even understand anything I'm saying because you think that guy on the television is me. And that really set the tone for high school. So I knew not to be too much of a public speaker in high school, not to say too much because you get noticed the more you talk, the more you get noticed. The one thing I was confident on is is sports. The one thing I was confident on is possibly being able to defend myself. So I knew people would only go so far. And those were the things I would fall back to because it was either sports sports. Or is physical. And we wonder why so many young Native Americans are are so aggressive. It's like they want to express what they know. And trust me, these younger Native Americans have, oh man, more tradition teachings than any other person in in the United States. I mean, they're taught how to dance traditionally. They're taught how to make their regalia traditionally. They're taught so much, but yet, it's not a topic in school. So therefore, they don't learn how to express themselves. And I think that was me. So when I look back at the young ones, I see myself. And once we started this radio station together, It became a lot easier. So, fast forward even into college. I went back to college at the age of 40. Now, right. In college, with the perspective of being a chairman already, with the perspective of running a government, with the perspective of developing economic development, now I'm find myself in the classroom again. And I am so nervous. And the one class that just terrifies me because it's out of my hands is speech. And I'm sure that's so common with everybody. But I didn't know that because it didn't seem like the people around me during my school years were as nervous as I was. And oh my God, was I nervous, terrified. And I'm sure there was so many others, but I was only noticing myself at that time. It's probably the only person I could notice at that time. It's so terrifying for me. So I make it to speech, and I realize a lot of people are terrified. I realize that I could give a speech just off the top of my head because I've been learning it as being tribal chairman, and other kids were struggling. And I knew their vibe I knew how they felt. Kids would get up there and cry and tell their story. And it was their first time they were expressing themselves. In my mind, I thought they were just the most, the strongest people. In everybody else's mind, they looked at it. It's probably a weakness. I was sitting there going, no, no. If I could have done that at your age, at the age of 19, to get that off my chest, to shed that moment and have the, have the confidence to do that in front of the classmates man that's powerful and now i didn't know what was developing in myself at that time but as the years went on i realized that i may actually be a better public speaker than most and that gave me the confidence and so i called you back right and i said let's do this radio deal now that's a whole new level because people actually call in I don't know what anybody's going to ask me. (laughs) So that's my biggest fear, is asking me something that I have no knowledge on and me being just still frightened and not knowing what to do. Well, in the last 14 months, I've learned what to do. I've learned how to answer live questions. I've learned how to be confident. I've learned that my story matters. I'm... I was in my office, and I was playing uh, my voicemails, and this cool dude gets on. You could tell he's elderly, and he gets on. He tells me, thank you. You're doing a great job for your community. And he goes on, and it's heartfelt. Oh, so beautiful. I listened to it a few times, you know. I had to. It was great. And I knew that I, I owed him a special recognition on this radio because he's inspiring me. If people don't tell me that I'm interesting, I stay in my, in, in my lane to where I could be most effective. But now my lane is broadening. And I'm so excited because I decided that I am gonna go full force with being a public speaker. And I'll be using Facebook. I call it tribal chairman. I changed it from Michael Hunter to tribal chairman. I have my Instagram. I've changed it from Michael Hunter to tribal chairman. Tomorrow, I meet with a digital crew to possibly help me set up a podcast with a YouTube channel in my office. Because that's where I feel comfortable. I'm not going to go live on TV outside my office right now, you know. (laughs) I got to try it first in my office where I feel comfortable. But I have some great, great commitments. I have... Ernie Stevens Jr., he's the chairman of the National Indian Gaming Association. He's agreed. I got Bronson Koenig agreed. He's the Wisconsin basketball star, Native American basketball star. I went to the Final Four, NCAA Final Four with Wisconsin. Of course I have my mother because I want to share what we know. I want to share what Pomo Country knows. I want to share what I know as a chairman. I wanna be able to share my story. The one that wasn't taught in junior high, high school. The one that wasn't taught even in college as I went back at the age of 40, I realized that the curriculum was so outdated that the education was doing a disservice to our people. And I say a disservice because the pers- the students learning are gonna be lawyers. The students learning are gonna be police officers. The students learning are gonna be counselors, judges, most importantly, teachers. And if what they're learning is dated curriculum and nothing to do with POMO, which has 23 federally recognized tribes in Lake Mendo and Sonoma alone, alone. POMO is one of the largest, if not the largest nation, POMO nation in In California, it's amazing to me how the curriculum doesn't relate even today. So if that teacher or professor was to ask me another question about a Plains Indian, I still would not have an answer. Now I could play it off for sure, but I wouldn't have a real answer. And I told myself, I no longer want to be the one that answers someone else's questions. I wanted to be the one to lead my own knowledge, to lead my own to, to lead with my own curriculum. So I contacted my good friend Keith Anderson, he's one of our tribe's attorneys, and I said, I want to do a book. And we've been working hard in the last few weeks on the chapters. And we're gonna take a we're gonna try to get it to be taught at Stanford, because that's where he actually graduated from. So he actually has direct direct contact with the dean and we're so excited everything's starting to unfold i'm so excited excited to share it with you because you helped me start this journey this public speaking journey that we're on and the idea of being able to share so many different perspectives that i have is exciting for me it's exciting it's healing for me i'm looking forward to that healing process You know, I talk about school right now. and I tell you my experience. And I'm learning right now as I sit here because it's my first time really expressing it the way I wanted to express it with my own words. And coming and having the perspective to be able to look back and see it and understand it now today. I would not have known this 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, to be honest. These are things that I'm learning over time as I start to become more confident and as I start to realize that my story may be able to inspire people, students, grandparents, and hear the same stories and struggles that they've heard to relate in how I got out of them, how I turned and faced my fears, what I did and how I was still fearful today to even be on the radio to share this story. I think it could help a lot of people. Not many people are a tribal chairman. Number one, I bought the domain tribalchairman.com. It's not up yet, but it will be up. That's gonna piss a lot of chairpersons off. Yeah. <laughs> the the local tribes, they they we all love each other, so I know they're gonna support me. But uh, Some other tribes somewhere else might not like that. I just took the name tribalchairman.com. And I'm kind of excited about it, to be honest with you. I'm ready to take that challenge on. I get to share what it's like to go back as a student at 40 years old, let alone be a tribal chairman. That's a perspective not many have. Now, that's a perspective that a lot of Native American tribal leaders have but not many people have. Now, let me add this to it. I was raised on my reservation, raised. I was there before there were roads. It was limited water. We had one big trailer that was our tribal office building in the daytime. And at nighttime, it was our home. And that home housed the one and only, my great-grandmother, Angelina Campbell, who raised my mother, two other single parents with their children, me and my mother. And we had the greatest time, but I was there, so I was a witness to seeing what it's like to build a reservation. I was able to watch... I was a witness at seeing my mother, my family, the people I know, the people, the success stories i seen that just nobody would ask me about. I got to see them put roads, a new subdivision for the people that didn't have homes to come back to the reservation. I got to see them build their first tribal government building. I got to see My mother and my family build the gymnasium, a swimming pool, another education center, all off of grants. So I learned what it was like to be a tribal chairman early. I was a witness. I seen it. I know the names of the documents. I know the names of the grants. I know who to contact. If I don't, I reach out to my mother and ask. So I know this. So I had this knowledge that I never knew I had until I started putting it into the action when I became chairman. I would like to share that story. Tell people what it's like to watch these people that don't know much about building a community, build a community for their people. And then I want to be able to take that story and expand on it. You see, my mother and my family built our first Coyote Valley Casino. I mean, how amazing is that? They, they amended the California Constitution to have gaming. People don't understand how great Priscilla Hunter, my family, the Indians in California are. They have no clue because our school systems are not teaching it. And I got to witness it all. And now all I'm doing is taking what I learned and built another subdivision, Built a fuel station, built a convenience store, built a brand new casino, beautiful brand new casino, self-financed, and we'll and we'll have our Wyndham hotel up by the end of this year, self-financed. It's amazing what what we're doing, what what Indian Country is doing today, and I just like I'm in the position where I could share all those different views and perspectives, and and sometimes be wrong. Because I have conflicting perspectives. So, not only was I born on the reservation, keep in mind, my father's white, my father's Caucasian. So, I wasn't Indian enough on the reservation to some. Keep in mind, my, my mother and my family built these homes for people, for cousins to judge me because I wasn't Indian enough because my father was white. I remember coming home from my dad's. And I had a Hawaiian shirt on. I had some khaki pants on and had them pegged. <laughs> and I knew getting out of that car, i seen a couple of my cousins just waiting for me and waiting for my dad to drive off. And I knew, and I was like, oh, this ain't going to be good. And it wasn't good. They teased me, and rightfully so. Oh, man, I had pegged pants, khaki, with a Hawaiian shirt. What more could you have done to me, Dad? Huh? <sighs> so that was tough. But that's a unique perspective because I am them. They are me. I'm able to see from both worlds. Before I got out of that car, I knew how I was going to be judged. In the car, I knew how I was judged. But it was going to be reverse once I stepped out of that car. I also knew getting dropped off with my father and traveling with him that everyone thought I was his stepchild. And that he was a foster parent or something and just a better person because he took me in. And my father would tease about that. And coaches, all the way up through high school, still thought he was my stepdad, even though we both had the same name, Michael Hunter. Now, that right there, all of those like things that I've just gone through, that I've become, the person I've become, whew, that is one powerful perspective. And then add culture. I've been lucky to, to, I say Indian dance, we say shake head, we say all kinds of things, but I don't know what to say anymore about this Indian thing, you know? For me, I like it, I'm not opposed to it. And the idea that I am maybe 20%, 30% of the Native Americans, which are only 3% of California, are actually able to practice their culture inside their roundhouses. I've traveled to Point Arena, Elam, Tuolumne. I've danced in their roundhouses. I've been honored. And I did that late, later in life. So I, ha- I was able to look at that perspective and wonder why I didn't do it earlier. That's a new story. I don't know that one yet. I'm still trying to figure that out as I go. So the idea of being able to share my perspective, I believe hits a lot of different audiences. And that excites me because I want to inspire. That's my goal, is to inspire either people that look like me, feel like me, or people that want to support people that look like me and feel like me. And I say feel like me because it's not just Native Americans, right? It's every one of us every one of us feels something the way i felt and overcome every one of us is overcome and i'm excited so excited to be able to share that and it all started with you yes
0: how awesome standing on the shoulders of giants of course (sighs) somebody some many people built this radio station yeah sure yeah, well, I mean, it's. Um, I remember being mentored to come on the radio when I was a teenager. By who? By Judy Berry.
1: Ooh, ooh, that's powerful.
0: I thought so. Well, it, and it's. I don't want to take this off into, no, I into want my, to tell my story. But, tell um, this
1: piece, because it's a part of my journey. I need to know. I cannot forget. You see, once we get to a point in our lives to where we're sharing with audiences, we have to remember to share the names. Yeah. Because we really are on their shoulders. Yeah
0: yeah well let me just reintroduce you real quick okay this is pomo perspective you're listening to kzyx and our host is michael hunter who's the tribal chairman of the coyote valley band of pomo indians i am alicia bales kind of a co-host and operating the board engineer here um, and hopefully facilitator it sounds like this was something that brought you (laughs) onto the air and I, i mean it's it's pretty powerful for me to hear your journey from from the beginning of this because for me thinking about kzyx is is a platform for our community to speak with with this wide audience i mean the we fill the airwaves throughout the entire county right and into some other counties and a lot of times working here at the station you know i think a lot about what it means and so the things that you are bringing up right now speak to to that to what it means to have a voice in your community, and how voice and stories are powerful and, and, and change both the people who are able to tell them but also the people who hear them.
1: Right, right. It's pretty cool that we're at a younger age to where we're able to speak not only to the persons that helped us flourish. I mean, they get to watch us grow. We're like their children, you know? And we get to speak with our perspective and continue to share their legacy. It's so powerful. Our words are so powerful. Our, uh, our feelings are so powerful. And if you can put your feelings into words, it makes life so much easier. Now, keep in mind that I am a reservation Indian. And I know what it's like to talk about trauma. I've seen it my whole life. I remember, and if my mother's listening, she may laugh about this, but she would bring home boxing gloves. Keep in mind, because we worn out old boxing gloves, and we would box with lights on, car lights on, in our neighborhood for fun. That was our fun. I don't know why I found that so much fun other than I must have had a rough childhood to think that that's fun, but I enjoyed it and it would help get our aggressions out. And my mother would say, don't fight unless you're willing to put the boxing gloves on. So we'd put them on. And when, when you get beat up by somebody, you knew that they were just a little higher than you <laughs> and you have to respect that unless you could come back and beat them next time and you and to, willing to try that. Is, uh, is insane, right? Like, I just got beat up by you, but I want to beat you up. I want to, you know, I don't, it's insane. Um, but that was my life. I, I was born on the res. That's what many reservation Indians do, or back then anyways. And I was there when we had no homes. You know, I see what it's like. I see how hard it was for my mother to work so hard to build a home, not only for herself, my mother and my family, our tribal members, our tribal leadership at that time, to work so hard to build these homes for their families. And then after I built the homes, my my tribal council, myself, and our members too, after we, we had our vision to build more homes, we did it. And some of the tribal members that got those homes, we're not happy. So I had a perspective of seeing how happy I was when I was a kid getting my new home and my house. And I was able to see how happy my mother was to build that home for everybody. And then me going to that house and, ha- and have a really nice house. I was, ex- I was excited and I didn't see that on some of the younger ones faces this time. And that worried me. That worried me because times are changing. And at that point, I have a new perspective on something way different than I had on the exact same thing, building a home for your family members. And so that's a perspective that I'm trying to work out amongst myself, and I'm hoping that over time, I'll be able to tell that story, because I can't really be too specific on that without offending too many people or hurting too many people, and that's not my intent. My, My intent is to inspire and educate and I also deal with, you know, Tribal Chairman. We deal with CPS issues. I've been on Facebook slandered. Oh, my gosh, it's horrible. for My own cousins on CPS issues. The last thing I want to do as a chairman is deal with CPS issues. Like, the last thing I want is for you not to be a better parent to a future leader. One of our young tribal members I see growing up, I don't wanna do any of that. I don't wanna be a part of anything that impacts any family negatively. That's just not my goal. My goal is to do whatever I can do to build the foundation so we can prosper as a community. So perspective is hard, conflicting perspective. I have a conflicting perspective because I was raised on the reservation. I'm a product of my reservation. Proud, proud product of my reservation. Don't I'm not trying to say that it's a bad thing. That's why I shared all the great things first, because I want you, I want the audience to understand that I'm a proud Coyote Valley Pomo Native American. Proud but I was also there. I also know what it's like to fight, to get out of that mindset. I went back to college at 40. I went and did, went to be a general manager at a casino a couple before I came home because I wanted to learn the business. I was able to walk in both worlds. I was able to walk with my father and see how they spoke. See how they talked. See what words they used. See how they treated each other. I was able to go home. See how what words we used. How we treated each other. And it's such a conflicting, conflicting perspective because they're so opposite in every direction, even love, even passion, even commitment to a community. And... Who else is trying to build homes for their people to come home to their homeland? That's a rare perspective. I get to hit on many of those. I'm so excited because I'm learning them. I'm actually taking the time and energy to figure out how to say them so I don't hurt anyone. But yet we all become more more knowledgeable, more knowledgeable, even myself. We go to the mascot issue, right? This is a great one. It's, it's exciting right now. We have the Cleveland Indians and Washington struck the Redskins name from 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 uh, their team name. This is these are great times, great times, but even my perspective has changed because I was a Washington Redskins fan. Right. No clue. I love the logo. Loved it. I love the name Redskins loved it it wasn't until i got older when i realized that i had a lot of tribal leader friends uh, opposing the redskins that's all it took for me i knew at that point i needed to educate myself i didn't need to share my perspective on why it shouldn't be racist i was the ignorant one right I needed to learn exactly why you feel the way you do because I probably should too. But my schools didn't teach me anything like this. What is this? And the great Billy Mills, man, he's he's amazing. You know who Billy Mills is, right? Oh no, first Native American Olympian on in uh in track, and uh, he he came to one of our motivational days at Coyote Valley. And my cousin had a Redskins beaded, beaded even, <laughs> a beaded medallion. And I'm not going to lie, it looked cool. And uh, I said, Billy, tell, tell him the story. My cousin, he's kind of ornery. Yeah, yeah. But but Billy Mills was, his, was one of his heroes too. So, you know, what do you say to your hero? And he says, Billy says, it's the word Redskins. That name Redskins. People think just scalp, and they say, "Oh, that's an old story scalp." But that's real. Go it, actual language. You get paid for the red skins, to take a red skin and turn it in to get paid. And then he took it another step and said, what they would do to women in their private parts, so they could no longer have any more children, and they would get paid double. And they called that red skins. That was red skins. So it's, it's different. And is the, the issue is so complex because the name red skins is different from mascot. The, the the, a mascot is different from a logo. So you have the name red skins who everyone once learned, once, once educated on, on why you should get rid of that name supported it, unless you just didn't know. And if you didn't know, you need to, you know, Facebook Billy Mills and ask him. He'll probably tell you, to be honest. He's looking to share his knowledge. He's been sharing it for a very long time. So I learned the Redskins. I said, yes, but I like the logo. I like the logo. But I never said anything until this show, to be honest with you. And I was just like, hmm, I struggle with that. Because I do like some of these logos. Now Cleveland Indians, that they just have us like about a baffoon or something crazy, right? They say that well, is well. a
0: really hideous logo. The Cleveland Indians. I saw one where they did um the Cleveland Caucasians, right. and they did like a white version of that logo. <laughs> yeah. and it looks a lot like the the really horrendous. Lo- uh, images of black people from the Jim Crow era as well. It's just hideous. Right. It's it's,
1: it's like a clown character. Yeah. You know, how, that, how is that a warrior? Right? right. And then you have the mascots, right? So separating those to three categories, mascots. Now, at this point, every Native American knows you should not be wearing Native American regalia, riding a horse dancing around in a big field and acting like a fool trying to get people to get together to play defense or or whatever it is they do when they do these crazy things at that point it you borderline ignorance and racism to be honest with you and if you still are more interested in challenging why you shouldn't feel the way you do about a mascot about a a person wearing native a white person wearing native american regalia or even a native american wearing your native not Wearing the school's Native American regalia, riding on a horse, and getting people to do chants—you know—they're sellouts too. To be honest with you, you know—I mean, you would never see me doing that. That's crazy. I mean, we have right now—we have a Catholic school near Napa area where they have a Pomo mascot. Right in our area, we're supposed to be liberal, and it's a Catholic school. You know what I'm saying?
0: And what they did. So there's a little bit of history there with the Catholic school and the Pomo. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes. (laughs) Sometimes I forget and I thought everybody knew this, right? And then I realized they're still teaching, you know, like uh, I I, I always, my daughter one came back, my daughter came back after school one time and uh, it was elementary and she was singing a song. And she said, like, Christopher Columbus, you know, Christmas and all that. And I said, what'd you say? She says, what do you mean? We don't say that in this house, girl. You know, what are you talking about? Well, it was the school. That's what that. I go, No, 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 You know, I know this one. How the heck does your teachers not know this one by now, right? And so a lot is ignorance. A lot is ignorance because there's some cool logos. And we see T-shirts on Native Americans all the time that have logos. That's a logo. It's different. Redskins is a different name. That's 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 a it's a very very nasty word. Very nasty word, you know. And it it has so much history, written history. This isn't theory. This is written history. And then you have the mascots. I mean, at some point you've gone too far. At some point You have to ask yourself if just because you grew up with that mascot, not a logo, with that mascot, that you are in the right. It's not even you that they're trying to emulate. It's us, me. It's my regalia. It's the stuff I wear so close to home right now. Excuse me. We talk about trying to share our story. The culture one's hard because I I want to express myself more than we already do in our regalia. But keep in mind, I was raised with my regalia. My regalia isn't new. So I had these discussions. I had a really good discussion with my friend, one of my best friends, Jaime Boggs. He's a tribal council member out of Robinson. And I go to him and I believe in him. I believe in I believe in his devotion to, to our culture, and so I go to him, even though he's he's uh, my age. And I ask him, "What do you think? How far can I go?" And I, one of my logos that I want to that I want to do. Speaking of logo, is me in a suit as a CEO, as a chairman, but then me also in my regalia standing behind me, as if this is the real me. This is my backbone, this is who stands behind me, and this is who I really am. I just wear your suit. So he said, I think that's great. Then I went a step further and I said, man, I'd really, I'm would really I'm gonna get heck for this one. I would really love to wear my regalia on my suit while I'm wearing it, so the people could really see. This is how I walk around every day. Every day, whether I'm in a suit or not, I know my culture, I know who I am. I I I'm Native American, Indian. I mean, what more? you like, wow! And you're a chairman. You know, there's a there's a lot there. And if I could figure out, which I haven't, figured out a way for our younger Pomo uh, children to be able to express more of themselves through their culture without getting in trouble from other cultural leaders, then. I think we could come a long ways and actually have a real conversation with the locals here because now we all know exactly what we're talking about. I don't know if we'll ever be able to get there, but that's the bridge. That's the journey. I'm excited about it. Uh, One thing I think we should touch upon is, Deb, the first Native American... Native American woman to be a cabinet, amazing.
0: Yeah, Deb Holland. Amazing. So amazing. I, I, uh, I posted
1: on Facebook because there is other Native Americans that supported Trump, and those are the ones that I am going to try to connect to because I want them to understand that I have more in common with them than Trump does, or any, or, or other or other uh, followers. I have more in common with you. I focus on that because I think that's, a, that's going to be the, the bigger change, the bigger challenge. And as, if I could challenge that and hit that on and try to do that, then I think um, I think a lot of other people will learn on the way there. And if we could get them to realize that uh, Native Americans don't support Trump and they never should, not that type of person, I think that would go a long ways for us when we, when we have our voting power and we start to increase our population. Now, a cabinet member, for the first time, we have one of us at that table, listening. May not even have anything in common on what's being talked about, like I never did on many issues, but she's there. She's listening to what's being said now. She knows the words. She's learning it like I learned with my father. I learned the words. I've seen what people liked. I learned what... I learned how to maneuver in the white world and then capitalize on it. She's at those tables. I mean, that's, she's changing American policy now, American policy that will do us much greater good than this conversation of mascots. Now, this mascot issue is key. It's important. We should talk about it. But when we get to federal issues, we have to talk about Indian Child Welfare Act. That's big. We have to talk about the termination era on why, on why Native Americans are on 50 parcel, 50 acre parcels because the land was taken from them. Not. In the not in the early 1900s or 1800s, in the 1950s determination era, we have to teach that. We have to teach the treaties because if you don't teach the treaties, then people, just regular citizens, think that we get money allocated through federal grants to our tribe because we're poor, we're pathetic, or they need to help the Indian. No. No, we had Indian wars that signed these treaties, Indian wars. They didn't, the, the government just didn't say let's help poor Indians, but that's what's taught because today's curriculum only wants to focus on racism, cultural awareness, and those types of things. And I get it and they should, but that's the elective not the core you cannot have those as core classes the core classes are the federal issues legislation law that still haunts us today because that's the only thing that's going to change a small community like ours is when those persons in that and those schools learn why we're a sovereign nation learn that when you have an agreement with the united states government that the united states government must must be held accountable must stick to their word That's what the courts are doing today. I'll give you an example. We have a fuel, a fuel is, it's hard to explain because it's a different world to where I'm trying to explain. But Indian country just won, just won in the United States Supreme Court last year. And what it says is a Yakima treaty tribe may transfer transfer fuel or other items on their roads because that was an agreement they did with the federal government at that time and we always fear losing because it's a it's a stacked republican um supreme court and republicans don't support native americans for the for for the most part when it comes to supreme court and They voted 5-4 in our favor. We got one Republican, right? And so we had a 5-4 in our favor. And that was one of our biggest wins that Indian countries had, is to be able to use public roads for transporting goods. I mean, think about that, transporting goods. Like, that's key, that's key, right? Without taxation. That's where the government doesn't like it. That's where the state of California doesn't like it. So now let's take that, that, just that case, This is last year, maybe two years ago, but this is recent and we're still teaching curriculum from 20 years ago. How does that help the CEO? How does that help the Native American tribal administrator, the tribal administrator CFO, all these positions that we, that we hold, that we have working for us. How does that help them? It's, it's, it's not, uh, the school system isn't set up for us to learn our own business. So we had to learn ourselves. And the California right now, California, the, the CDTFA, it was a California Department of Tax Fee S- Association, probably. I don't know. Uh, they made a decision that even though Indian Country won in the United States Supreme Court, that these fuel suppliers must still be taxed because the tribes themselves now are not licensed with the state of california so they change they change their verbiage after the supreme court says they can transport goods on your roads without taxation because of a treaty california says Nah, we're going to go around this and uh, say the tries have to be licensed with us then. And that is the furthest thing from the truth, and they know it. They know it. But yet, I am a Governor Newsom fan. I am. <laughs> we'll see. I'm waiting for him to come out with his opinion right now, actually. Like, we're supposed to get it in December or uh, January. So we're waiting for January to see what his decision is. And we talk about Native American um, equality, right? So my perspective as a chairman, as a CEO type uh, tribal leader is a different perspective than just a regular, maybe a regular chairperson that only focuses on tribal issues, right? I focus on CEO issues and that one right there, if we were to lose, we, we risk losing one third of our budget. Now that's real, but people connect, can't connect the dots. But those are the real issues that we face right now, right now, but yet. The people just don't know. Indian country doesn't even know sometimes, right? So it's it's really different. It's really different. And now that we have, you know, Deborah at the uh, at the table, gosh, I'm excited to see what comes different. But I do worry now. Keep in mind, I have both perspectives. I know what that 10% on the res uh, or 20% may say. And we have some activists as well beyond that 20% that say things like, Yes, but is she going to be able to do this, do that, do this? And you're like, no, no, one person, one person. But we're there. We're here now. And we're talking about it now.
0: Right. She's um, the she's the nominee for the secretary of interior. So that's where the bia is the bureau right. of indian affairs and, right. and the history yeah. there and it also is responsible for all of the public land in the united states which is indian land uh and the the agency that was responsible for taking that land right so it's just seems like amazing oh to have right. her in charge of it right
1: what it's her, her perspective of being in charge of, and her perspective of coming where she comes from and now her perspective of being in charge I can't wait to hear her stories from four years from now.
0: And so often the the Secretary of Interior or the person in charge of interior, like right now, um a lot of when you have a Republican at the head of that, a lot of that is about figuring out how to exploit the land and how to mine or, or ranch or, um, you know, log the, the public land resources. But I think she has a very, very different perspective on what should happen to that land. So,
1: Right. And also, like, when you have, I mean, we have lands right now that, that are considered cultural ceremonial areas, right? And, and they're registered with the BIA. And uh, she'll be able to protect that. And now we could go straight to the chain of command and say, hey, this is what's happening here. And because she has the perspective and the feeling in her heart to know what I'm saying, she remembers my words. When I go and talk to anyone that doesn't understand Indian country or never lived it, my words are foreign. So when they leave my table, they say, what did that guy say? You know, what did he really say? And then you hear another Native American, oh, what he said is this. And now, all of a sudden, what I said becomes what they said, because they didn't understand what I was really saying. So the
0: translator Mm -hmm. has an impact there.
1: Huge. Huge. And she'll be able to understand our words. It's exciting.
0: Well, it all comes back around to what you were talking about at the beginning, which is how you tell the stories between cultures, right? And you kind of having that experience of learning. And also of the obstacle of the fear or the sense of historic humiliation that you don't, you know, you're afraid to tell the stories. So there's a lot of um, sort of obstacle here to that conversation between the two worlds.
1: Right. She's so wise. You know, to, to be at the level that she's at is, I, I don't know. I don't, I never, t- I, you know, I talked to her the other day. Have on, you met her? Yeah. You yeah. Have. She was funny. She did a, uh, I was doing a speech on um, opioid, the opioid lawsuit that we were doing and trying to lead for California tribes and throughout. And she was coming on after me, and they put me first, you know. And I had no clue; I didn't, I really didn't know who she was. And she gave this great, passionate speech. And I was like, Ah, oh, I really love this lady. Still <laughs> having no clue, right? She's running for Congress in a small in, a, in an area that's not from here. I don't expect to know everyone, and. Shoot, I should have expected to know her though, you know? I mean, now look at her, right? Oh my God, what a mistake on my end. I should have became her best friend that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have. Yeah, so and she was on our Zoom. We have a, I'm the vice chair for our California Tribal Chevrons Association. So she was on that, I think last week. So that was fun. Oh, neat. Yeah, that was really good. You what was she German? saying? Oh, she was talking. Well, at that time, she wasn't um, nominated yet. But she was, we all had a great idea that she was going to be. It was her or you doll. and Tom Udall, I think. And um, obviously we wanted Debra. <laughs> <laughs> right. Obviously we wanted her and we got her. And uh, I put it on my Facebook Live and, and I videoed her speaking and my daughter and a couple of other, and it's always young, young um, ladies that are more interested, darn it, than the boys, gosh, darn them. But the young lady said hey that is so awesome wow you had her on i'm like oh you are paying attention this is really working like me putting that out there you you're 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 grabbing it and you're liking it and you're learning like oh my god this might actually be might be onto something here you know
0: so uh, can people go back to your facebook and watch it
1: yeah yeah you could go back you could add me on facebook it's tribal chairman now keep in mind i had one for michael hunter when i was younger About 10 years ago. So it's not that one. If you can't get on, it's the one that says tribal chairman on it.
0: Got it. Okay. Well, we've got uh, about three minutes, four minutes left on the show. So any kind of parting words for the solstice day or you were talking at the beginning about this podcast that you want to work on and your ideas for it. Are we going to get to hear it?
1: Well, January 1st is my New Year's resolution. I'm having a hard time putting myself live on Facebook still so much, you know, because it's still hard. Now you're going to even see me, you know. And so I'm setting that up, and I'm going to go on live, and I'm trying to explain like I did here today is my story, why I think my perspective may be unique but so common to the people that know me, so common to the Native American. That's the bridge. That's the perspective. And i hope i'm able to tell that story now i've been thinking about it how to say it i haven't been thinking about what i want to wear you know and well
0: yeah if you're going to be doing video if right. you're going to be doing youtube i i love radio because i don't have to think about that at all
1: right <laughs> right i'm in sweats with a hat backwards right a yeah vest. me too right so i think um new year's resolution i've been but keep in mind i I've been working on it for, for a while now. So I actually have the content written out, the dates that I want to show different things. So I can research and be more educated on specific issues. So yeah, I'm i I'm excited. We'll have our YouTube podcast. I'll probably come out in March because we have to wait for COVID to get over for people to actually travel.
0: Yeah. Well, March, that seems pretty optimistic. Are you, um, are the tribes getting vaccine? How's that going?
1: Well, we're waiting. We're waiting right now. And, uh, We're smaller tribes in in California, so it's a little bit different, you know. But uh, we're working with our Consolidated Tribal Health Director to try to get our elders first and those that are at higher risk first, you know. And so we're on the list and we recognize that we have to, you know, be as loud as we can so, we could get that help from the government to our people.
0: Yeah, is there kind of a different lane for tribes in the U.S. now to get access to the vaccine, or is it all through the same? Well, see, like sort when you like, say health.
1: Navajo country has Indian, Indian health hospitals, they right, have right. hospitals. Here we have clinics where we're a consortium we all belong to. Yeah. And then they outsource. So, like if it's for cancer or anything that they can't do medicated, you know, related, yeah. they'll outsource. So for us, it's a little bit different. They take the lead for us. Almost all of California, except maybe two or three tribes.
0: But they serve your tribes in particular, the consortium of POMO tribes. Yeah,
1: we have eight, I think eight or nine tribes that belong to the consortium. That's how we're able to get um, health services, by combining all of our headcount together so we could qualify for a
0: grant. Right, right, right. All right, well, Michael Hunter, thank you so much for another POMO Perspective. This has been great.
1: You're so welcome.
0: And we'll see you back in four weeks. Yes. I think you're the the third oh i'm gonna do the
1: show at 10 p.m i'm gonna try oh
0: yes we're gonna talk about yeah a music show so we'll we'll announce that okay when we get that going so um this has been pomo perspective with michael hunter the tribal chairman of the coyote valley band of pomo indians i'm alicia bales i'm the program director here at kzyx and sitting in as a support and a facilitator to make sure pomo perspective happens so thank you michael thank you happy solstice
1: happy solstice